Hey everyone, and welcome to That's How Dateline Starts, the podcast where your two favorite 17-year-olds discuss true crime. And this is our first episode, and I'm very excited about it, I'm not going to lie to you right now. And what better to start with than one of the most notorious unsolved true crime cases that there is in general, mm-hmm. um, which would be John Bonnet Ramsey. So many twists and turns, it's hard to know where to even start. And so many conspiracies have come out of this case, including one very odd one about Katy Perry, which we will get into a little bit later. Yeah, you're going to have to stick around for that one. But let's waste no time and start discussing the characters, because if you've never heard of this case, you kind of got to keep up. So let's start with John Bonet Ramsey, who was the victim. She was age six at the time. She was a pageant queen and a 24-time winner. And this little girl was notorious around town in Colorado. Everybody knew her, everybody loved her, and everybody thought she was going to be the next America's sweetheart, the next Miss America. Yes. And then we have Burke Ramsey, who is the brother, who was nine at the time. And he is shady. He, Very. For a nine-year-old, this kid's weird. And we're going to get into that later, but we don't trust Burke from the get-go. Not at all. Next, we have Patsy Ramsey, who was the mother. She was known as the stage mom, and she was actually a pageant queen in her own right back in the day. But she never really achieved the same success as John Bonet. No, she would consistently get like second place, never really got the same status that John Bonet had, which could have led to a little bit of jealousy. Um, we'll also talk about that a bit later. Think TLC's um, Toddlers and Tiaras, or Dance Moms, when you think of Patsy and those moms. For sure. Criminal Minds meets TLC up in here. Uh, Then we have John Bonet, or John Ramsey, the father, who was a very successful businessman in technology. He had sold his company for millions of dollars and made the family rich. Yeah, they were the all-American family. They were seemingly perfect to everyone they met. I mean, five-story mansion. It was assumed that John Ramsey might go into politics just because of who he was, his status, his connections. Um, And because his family was so seemingly squeaky squeaky clean and cookie cutter perfect. Yeah, they were all American family, seemed perfect to everyone they met, and were multimillionaires. Next, we got to jump into the basic timelines. It's in Late 1996 to 1997, about this case happens, um, Boulder, Colorado, um, Christmas. It happened on Christmas, which is why we say that this case is like a bad Hallmark movie. For sure. Um, around 10 p.m., they arrive home from a Christmas party with friends and family, and John Bonet is asleep in the back. So, of course, the mom takes John Bonet up to bed, she tucks her in, and everybody goes to sleep. And then around 3 or 4 in the morning, their neighbor, Melody Stanton, um, thinks that she hears a child screaming and a metal banging on the concrete, which from the get-go is weird because john and patsy ramsey claimed to hear nothing how could their neighbor hear something that they didn't hear i mean if it were me and i knew that a young girl who was famous was nearby and i saw a child and i heard a child screaming maybe i would investigate i don't know is that crazy i definitely no i definitely (laughs) would i I would at least call over to the neighbors and be like, hey, is everything okay? Like, probably, yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have called the police right away because it could have been her having a nightmare, um, especially because this neighborhood neighborhood had kids in it. But I don't know. Yeah. This gets weird really fast, and I don't really understand why that happened. Um, around 5.52 a.m., exactly, on December 26, Patsy Ramsey calls 911 from inside the house. She says that her daughter has been kidnapped. There's been a ransom note left on the front steps. She's sounding really frantic and worried, and you can hear her yell for her husband, John. Um, the f- ransom note is where this case gets 
really, really weird. It's suspiciously long. Um, the wording is very <laughs> in like it is personal and yes. not direct. It is definitely not concise. Um, and I think we actually have it. I do, and I'm going to read it for all of you. How lucky are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it starts with Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do we do respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 will be in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as the police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to, de to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try and grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory, SBTC. Weird. So weird. Yeah. And so personal. The language used sounds like a women a woman wrote it because it uses phrases such as don't particularly like you, which is not something a man would typically write. Especially a male kidnapper who is because it was written on a stationery in the house. So you get in and you're writing a ransom note and you've just got this child with you that you've or have probably unconscious, you aren't taking the time to mm -hmm. write it out and be super specific in what you say. Like, it sounds drafted, and maybe it was, but from the way that it is, it's personal. It seems like they know the Ramses. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like they have a personal, like, like I don't know, vendetta against the Ramses. Yeah, and it's weird how they ask for different size bills and divided it weird, and I don't know. It just it deviates from a lot of specific um, ransom notes in the past. Also, I've noticed with ransom notes in the past from different cases, when you look at them, you try to use the least amount of words possible so there is the least linkage to your specific dialect and vernacular that exactly. you use. So when you're writing a ransom note, 
um, kidnappers typically don't actually want to make it that long because you can track the people and how they speak and how they talk and how they write. Kidnappers take notes. <laughs> and we're just kidding. Please don't Maybe. be a kidnapper. Don't be a kidnapper. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, after they find this ransom note, which is obviously very weird and very long, um, they call some family friends. The officers arrive in seven minutes after the 911 call, and there's soft, surf- soft searches of the house. They're looking for break-in sites and nothing really too in-depth because from the ransom note, they assume that John Bonet is not here. They assume that she's been taken to a separate location, which is understandable. Um, they actually send Burke off to go be with family friends, and they finish the search at 8 a.m., which, I mean, it makes sense. You don't want your nine-year-old son around there when your six-year-old daughter's missing. Right. Um, but the weird thing is there's no call all morning. Yeah. Around 10 a.m., the lead detective, Linda Arndt, feels like there's something wrong and noticed that nobody had even mentioned that there was no call coming in. I mean, usually, at least I can imagine maybe the dad being trying to be strong, but I can imagine a mother freaking out, continually asking why there's no call, trying to figure something out, but everyone seems suspiciously silent. There's no talk about what the plan is going to be if they call, what they're going to do, what they're going to say. There's nothing, and that's a little weird for a case like this. Yeah. Um, John Ramsey is acting completely normal. He opens his mail, he's calling his lawyers, and he actually tries to arrange a flight to leave Boulder, and like, the next li- day. <laughs> I quite literally wrote in our notes, SUSPICIOUS, in all so caps. <laughs> SUSPICIOUS. Why oh. are you leaving? Why are you running? So when weird. you're still looking for your daughter. It is weird, and it's kind of messed up. Um, people start to clean up the kitchen. <laughs> They literally have people coming in to clean up the kitchen and they're tampering with evidence and they're, nobody closed off the crime scene. Not a single person closed it off. I mean, if I were a detective on that case, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously they assumed at that point that John Bonet wasn't there, but you're still looking for break-in sites. You're still trying to figure out if they touch things, they touch the stationery, they touch the pens and nobody, nobody, nobody closed it off. I know. It's like whenever we or I like research any of these cases that kind of happened before my time it always seems like the detectives have zero idea what they're doing like no one closed it off no one like tried to even remotely keep it secure like come on we've all seen those crime shows you gotta have the yellow tape where Where was was the the yellow yellow tape tape? where was it where was it um (laughs) also why were the friends allowed in the house i mean they had people coming in to help out the ramses and clean it up and make them food i understand that but it is a crime scene (laughs) and you are tampering with the fingerprints, like all evidence that you could get from like the kitchen and the entryway and everything is going to basically not be usable. Right. Um, anyways, so after this, Detective Arndt asked John to search the house from top to bottom and no forced entry was found, but John Binet, John does find John Binet in the wine cellar in the basement dead. Her mouth is taped. She's bound with rope around her neck and not in good shape. Um, it's ironic that he f- finds her in the first place as he searched in the basement. That's what I, yeah, because the wine cellar in a corner of your basement is a little bit of an odd place to start with. Um, I mean, obviously they're probably looking for like closets and doors yeah. because she's a small child and everything, um, easier to hide, but it's odd that they were able to find her so quickly and that it was John who found her first and no detective. Mm-hmm. Um, John finds her, he picks her up basically takes the rips the tape off her mouth which was terrible move (laughs) terrible move because i'm like getting angry as i'm hearing (laughs) um 
because the tape that's put on her mouth would most likely have the DNA of one of her kidnappers on it. Um, because obviously John Benet Ramsey's not going to put her own tape over her mouth. Yeah. Um, he carries her upstairs, effectively getting his DNA all over her. Um, and here's where something weird happens. Patsy Ramsey, who previously hadn't been freaked out, sees this and falls on top of John Bonet. Again, putting her DNA all over her daughter, which is understandable for a mother in mourning, but you would think that the detectives would have held her back a bit. Um, you would think the detectives would have said, hey, if you find your daughter, don't pick her up, leave her, we'll come get her with people with gloves. You know, it's almost comical. Like, it's just so like everything that could have gone wrong did. All of the evidence has been effectively erased and, and no one stopped them. Like, I don't know. And at this point, <laughs> maybe I'm crazy. The ki- no, you're not crazy. <laughs> at this point, the kidnapping ransom note doesn't add up. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why? How was she kidnapped if she never left the basement? How did they how were the kidnappers able to get her out and get her back in at the same time if there's two men watching her? It just, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. So there was effectively no kidnapping because she was found in the basement of her own home. And if you're going to kidnap a young girl and hold her for ransom, you're going to go as far as you possibly can go. Yes. Um, The autopsy said that she died of blunt force trauma and... uh, she did not die because of blunt force trauma and strangulation. Mm-hmm. Strangulation was the overall cause, but she did have trauma to the back of her head. Yes. Um, they believe that the murder weapon was a flashlight, which we will get into later when we talk about her brother, Burke. Um, yes. Another thing to note that's important is the ransom note was found using stationery that was inside the house with a pen that Patsy frequently used. Yeah, so let's just dive into this real quick because I got a lot to say. Um, so essentially they went into Patsy Ramsey's office and they found a notepad that had multiple pages ripped out from it. And the paper was matched to the paper of the ransom note. Now the note was written in Sharpie, which would leave, um, which would lead, um, leave a mark. It would bleed through the paper. Yeah, it would bleed through the paper. I can't talk. I'm sorry. Um, it would bleed through the paper and there was like marks of a sharpie on the fresh paper um so it was and also the handwriting was matched to patsy's later on identically so clearly patsy wrote the damn note all right so let's just patsy did write the note um yeah which leads us into our first theory which was that burke ramsey was the one who killed john bonnet ramsey um burke obviously it is believed that he probably had a strained relationship with his little sister probably a lot of jealousy she did get most of the attention from her family and from outside people and she was just beloved by everybody so of course when you're not getting any attention you're going to act out as a child um they found john benet ramsey with traces of pineapple and milk in her stomach which was burke's favorite favorite snack which I don't even get into how weird that is because that's a weird snack to have as a nine-year-old, nonetheless. Um, And that night, there's actually a bowl of pineapple and milk in the dishwasher that was found that had Burke and Patsy's fingerprints, which is pretty much the only DNA evidence. I mean, they had DNA evidence on Jamin A. Ramsey, but DNA evidence in the house that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, So Patsy denies ever giving Burke that um, snack, which is weird because, of course, it has her DNA on it. but pineapple was found inside JonBenet's stomach, um, and they believed that something happened, um, an altercation probably took place 
um, where John Bonet, after coming downstairs for a snack, she was probably hungry. Brooke was there eating a snack. It was late at night. Um, something led to him getting very angry or upset with her, hitting her in the back of the head, and probably waking up his mother. Um, this is just one of the theories. This is one I personally believe. Um, but yeah. A couple other pieces that I think help make this theory more plausible is that um so after Patsy calls 911, the phone disconnects, but you can still hear the audio. It just kind of happens with landlines, especially during that time. There's like a three second period after disconnecting where you can kind of still hear what people are saying. Yeah, it's kind of like a live photo on your iPhone. So after Patsy disconnects, but is still on the line, um, it suggests that Patsy is yelling at Burke saying, what did you do? What did you find? Um, Which is interesting because she's going from being frantic and crying on the phone to like that. Angry. Angry and upset and frustrated and accusatory. Yeah, very much so. Um, And also years later... Um, oh, the interview. Yeah. So, Burke Ramsey, after years of sort of living as a recluse and not really coming out and talking to anybody, goes on the Dr. Phil show. Which, all right, let's just talk about how odd of a choice of interview that is. I mean, the Ramseys for years, for years, for years, for years, um, you couldn't get an interview with them. I believe Barbara Walters had Barbara one. Walters, yeah. um, but you couldn't get an interview with them at all and now he's coming out choosing to go on the dr phil show um in the interview in itself you can search it up it's very interesting he is smiling the entire time and it it could be a nervous tick of course but it is eerie he is very awkward and uncomfortable and doesn't not doesn't ever give a really a reason to what he thinks happens and he's very clearly something's wrong I mean, it doesn't really look like a grieving brother. No. I mean, of course, there's been years past, but at this point, you would want to be, with people pulling your name through the media, you would want to be like, I didn't kill my sister. This isn't me. I want to know who killed her. Like, I wish there was leads. And he just is smiling, and I didn't kill my sister. Very calm. No, I didn't kill her. No, that's not me. (laughs) Like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's what everybody says, bud. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's one of the main theories, is that Burke Ramsey killed his sister, um, in a fit of aggression, um, yes. and that the parents covered it up. It is believed that he probably went to Patsy and was like, Mom, what do we do? And yeah. she was like, oh, shoot, and, you know, <laughs> bada-bing, bada-boom, JonBenet's dead. Um, That's exactly how it happened, actually. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she actually called up a genie, and they said yes. bada-bing, bada-boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, they believed that they did it to cover up. Patsy wrote the um, note, probably drafted it a few times to make sure she got it right, which would explain the words and how long it is. Um, and then th- I believe that they waited till the last minute to tell John. Yeah. Because out of the three of them, he was the one that displayed the most grief, um, the most confusion. He kind of had an air that he didn't know what was going on. Right. But he also knew enough to not, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like... Like, he definitely knew. Like, you can even see now, um, I think John Ramsey was also interviewed in the same show, but I don't, like, John and Burke don't ever interact. You never see them together. They are, they did not do the interview together. They did it completely mm-hmm. separately. I still think John holds it above Burke's head. I would. I would, too. You know, I don't, you know, but that's what, that's what makes me think that Burke had something to do with it. Yes, definitely. 
Um, do you want to talk about the intruder theory? I would love to talk about the intruder theory. So I honestly, I think this one is plausible. However, there are many holes. Yes. So basically the theory is that the metal clinging that the neighbors heard um, was a grate that opened up into the basement on the side of the home, and that's how the intruder got in. Which would explain the no signs of forced entry. Right. And as a young pageant girl, you know, creepy men knew of her and fantasized about her. She had a lot of stalkers. There was one man who actually wore a vial of her pageant glitter, um, and I'm pretty sure he brought it into his heart surgery with him Ooh. to protect him, which... that's gross so gross yeah so they actually did have a confession um john mark carr actually did confess to the murder and he said that he was demented and wanted to be with john benet um of course that is not the case since we wouldn't be talking about this being unsolved um the dna did not match him yeah and he is no longer a suspect he just did it because he's crazy um but it is likely that someone who was, you know, not mentally sound, not mentally stable. Um, you know, there was many people out there who knew of her because of her status as a pageant queen. Um, so it is very, very likely that there was somebody who knew that the, of their family's wealth mm-hmm. and thought, "Hey, they'll pay for her." Right. So I mean, it makes sense that aspect. But what doesn't make sense, which you can talk about, is um, how. She never left. Yeah. So if, I mean, the person presumably didn't take out the child. The ransom note was also weird. If this is some random stalker, the ransom note is way too complicated for a... It's also way too personal. And way too complicated and personal for some creepy dude to write in like a span of a short amount of time. Because obviously if you are a kidnapper you don't want to stay in the house for too long at the risk of somebody finding you also so she died of blunt force trauma and strangulation so yes. naturally you would assume that if you're going to kidnap this child you can hit her on the head to knock her out so she doesn't cry or scream right right um no prints were found on the flesh. and you would take her with you right. you wouldn't have left her there there to die in the cellar also it doesn't add up to the ransom note which says like i'll give you back her alive if you do this this and that so it doesn't make sense how she was left and died there on the premise, even though they were promised if they gave them the money that they would give her back alive. Yeah, weird stuff. So the outcomes, um, Patsy Ramsey died of cancer in 2006. So we'll never know her official side, which sucks, but, you know. I definitely think a lot of secrets of this case were left with her when she died. I agree. Um, I feel like we'll never know because, obviously... Unless they secretly wrote a tell-all book <laughs> and are planning to release it when everybody dies. I will read that. <laughs> I would read it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we never actually talked about the Katy Perry theory. This is just a quick, fun one. <laughs> quick little fun theory. Um, people so. on the internet do believe um, that JonBenet Ramsey is actually Katy Perry because if you look at a photo of JonBenet when she was around six and you look at a photo of Katy Perry and you age that photo of JonBenet, it looks almost identical to Katy Perry and she, since John Benet Ramsey was you know a pageant queen and probably talented it is not unlikely um it's very unlikely. it's unlikely <laughs> it's, but like it would make sense I guess Katy Perry if you're listening to this first of all we love your music second <laughs> of all are you John Benet Ramsey <laughs> please could, tell us you could just tell us we won't tell anybody I yeah promise. an anonymous note would work yeah, like, um, but maybe not so wordy like the ransom note. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. 
Um, so all the detectives have different theories of what happened, but it is weird to me that most of them do not think it's Burke. Most of them think it was either the parents or an intruder. But here's the thing. If you were a detective at that time and you're working on a case with, again, a six-year-old, like, I cannot stress this enough. She was a baby, mm-hmm. so little, and her older brother, and you feel like you have to need to protect the, these kids. So it's understandable that they would be like, oh, no, he's a nine-year-old little boy. He couldn't do this. His He's also a victim. His little sister was murdered. Like, it is understandable, especially, too, because Burke was sent away. Right. Um, the only time that he was brought into questioning is kind of strange. He is brought in. He's not really crying. He's not really upset um, or scared or anything. He is very fidgety, climbing all over the table, all over the chair. He says he doesn't know anything. They can't do anything. He's a nine-year-old kid. They let him go. Um, he doesn't really ever show emotion on how he feels about his sister dying, yeah. but... I don't know. I, I mean, believe... kids throw a tantrum when they stub their toe. <laughs> like, yeah, I you know. Personally, I think Burke did it. I think that he probably, when you're a kid, you all the emotions you feel are new. Mm-hmm. You haven't experienced them. I think he probably had some anger management issues, um, and just kind of became overcame with a fit of rage, and something happened. Something ticked him off, and he snapped. And the parents covered up poorly, but they covered poorly. it up poorly. Yeah, actually, the lead detective, Linda Arndt, thinks it was John, which I think is which weird. Which is interesting, because I, if you ask anybody on the internet, like, take a poll or whatever, nobody really ever says John. There was a theory originally um, that he had sexually assaulted John Benet Ramsey, and that is what led to her death, like, he was abusing her. Um, it something never, went wrong. Something went wrong. It never really came to light. There was never really any evidence. There was some strange DNA on JonBenet's underwear, um, but they never could match it. They never could find anything that proved she was had been assaulted. Um, so it's I can not, understand where it comes from. Yes, I agree. But I, I don't personally believe in that theory. No, me neither. There's also a theory that Patsy did it, um, yeah. that she became so jealous of her daughter and wanted to have her daughter's life that... She snapped too, but I think that there's too strong of a bond between a mother and their child for her to be the one that killed her. I think something went wrong with Burke and they covered it up. I am on the Burke train. I'm on the Burke train. We're on the Burke train. Burke Um, did it. Yeah, no one has been convicted. There are no official suspects, and it does remain unsolved. I honestly, as sad as this sounds, I don't think that we'll ever know what happened. Which is so sad. Like, I think I made this joke the other day, but. Whenever I'm watching, like, Unsolved Mysteries and they say, like, this case remains unsolved. I get I'm so, so angry. I get I'm so like, angry. I'm like, what do you mean it's unsolved? It's so obvious, <laughs> yeah. idiots. Like, I feel like I can solve every cold case on the entire planet. We could rule the world. Oh, for sure. I'm 17 <laughs> years old. I can see it. Yep. I mean, it is just, it's terrible because you want justice for this little girl. But she's just, it'll never happen. I mean, she should be around, like almost 30 no it's just just terrible yeah 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 so well that's that, the john bonnet that's case. the story that's john bonnet and that's how dateline starts yes it is we'll see you next time see you next time